Hello, it's Monday the 5th of February. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I've had three opinions on the Grammys before breakfast. Welcome back to Papercuts, the modern newspaper review, where we celebrate the UK's greatest contribution to contemporary culture, other than pop music and the bucket hat. Yes, nowhere does newspapers better than the UK, and every day we bring you solid proof by zipping through a big pile of them and finding you all the fun. We're out every weekday, Monday to Friday, so hit subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Deadly Dogs... 68-year-old woman killed by two dogs, possibly XL bullies. Do you like tech house? Billionaires' smart homes do everything for them via the internet. And critic gets it wrong. We disagree with a broadsheet music writer yet again. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where if eye-rolling is a microaggression, then we're all Mike Tyson. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me this morning is editor of Pop Bitch and brand new daddy, Chris Lockery. Hello, Chris. Hi, how are you doing? All right, you're looking remarkably sane. (laughs) And also with us is host of Jazz FM's Jazz Family Trees, which makes him a smooth daddy, Marcus Brigstock. Hi, Marcus. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So what have we got on the front pages today? Chris, what do you have? Well, the broadsheets, we've just got various flavours of tragedy and and mayhem, unfortunately. The Guardian, we've got US says airstrikes on Iran-linked militias are just the beginning, just in case the Middle East wasn't feeble enough. The Daily Telegraph, 40 barge migrants convert to Christianity. Uh, This is a look at asylum claims, and this is sort of in the wake of the Clapham attack. There are this suspicions that people are converting to Christianity to aid their asylum process. So this is all uh, up on the, the Bibby Stockholm. So they're looking at that. The eye hunt expected to bolster Red Sea military power and budget defence spending boost. I mean, exceedingly dry yeah, as I've headline. And the Times has gone with a public one digital pass for all their GP records. So this is a story that there's overwhelming support now for people to have their medical information in one place so it can be easily accessed by whoever is treating them and also can see their own, which I imagine doctors are probably fairly resistant to having written <laughs> kind of cruel and unusual notes about their patients, knowing it was going to be fairly private. So um, Yes, hoping it was going to be private yeah. and not anymore. Okay, Marcus, what have you got? I've got the Daily Mail here and their big stripey headline across the top is what the king told me about his Gordonston school days and why the crown got it wrong. And that's written by someone who wishes they thought of the crown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the main headline in the mail is uh, Brianna's mum, limit phones for under 16s, emotional plea for social media crackdown from mother of murdered trans teenager. This is based on the uh, interviews uh, that Brianna's mum gave over the weekend and talked a lot about the corrosive influence of uh, kids having constant access to who knows what online. Uh, The Sun, exclusive balloon addict, Prem Ace in rehab for party gas. Star's family asked club for help. Apparently, according to The Sun, loads of Premier League footballers are into um, huffing 
gas. You know the small little silver cylinders? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought for a long time that that was um, squirrels going scuba diving. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not. It it's, a premier, it's a Premier League problem. It turns out <laughs> there are absolutely loads of chefs just desperately needing to aerate cream uh, <laughs> on our road. The Mirror have got Grand 68 mauled to death by two crazed XL bullies as she visits her grandson. Horrifying. And it really is. And we'll talk more about how the different newspapers have covered that story. And the Daily Star, three seasons in one week, 15 degrees, spring heat will turn into autumnal floods, then sub-zero winter whiteouts. And they've got an amazing photograph of a tsunami with some rubber ducks on it, a man doing Edvard Munch's The Scream Face wearing blue tinted sunglasses, and it just says, Bonkers Britain, the star, proud to love animals. Now, all over the tabloids and in most of the broadsheets too is the incredibly distressing story of 68-year-old Esther Martin who was killed on Saturday in Essex by two dogs suspected to be XL bullies. She was attacked when she was visiting her 11-year-old grandson. The dogs were shot and killed by police. Chris, how have the papers been covering this very grim story? Well, it's taken over quite a lot of the front pages. Mm. I think probably the most comprehensive Coverage has been in the Metro. Quite a sort of arresting headline. Grand killed by XL bullies she warned about. Her worst nightmare. Let's have a look at the Metro, though, because the Metro has got quite good reporting, is what I would say. So it's a bit weird, this kind of story, because obviously when something like this happens, what happens is that all the papers just send a reporter there. Mm. If you get a good reporter, then they will talk to the people who are involved or they'll talk to relatives or they'll, you know, that's how they get their stuff. And the Metro have done quite well, it seems to me. They've got the details about what happened. So it was a grandson who was staying with his dad, whose name is Ashley Williams. Yeah, he's uh, a drill rapper yet. He's um, been trying to sell the puppies shortly before this ban came into place, kind of breeding them. She seems to have six puppies in the house. This is what was, she was trying to break up a fight between the puppies before the, the larger dogs attacked her. But it's got kind of, I mean, he's, he's spoken to her daughter who said that none of the dogs were neutered or registered and that what the owner had said is basically no one is going to tell me what to do with my own fucking dogs, basically. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the problem, isn't it? That now you're, you have to register the dogs. There's going to be a lot of people who are going, don't tell me what to do. As someone who walks about in London parks a huge amount of the time with a two-year-old, which I'm sure plenty of people find (laughs) obnoxious two-year-olds are very difficult to control, since lockdown, there are loads and loads and loads of people with dogs. Yeah, there's more dogs than before. Yeah, and their dogs had loads of time with their owners during lockdown, and suddenly the owners are now back at work, and the dogs are now in adulthood and they're struggling and the owners are struggling with them. And, I, I, you know, you can all understand how it gets to that. But broadly speaking, it's mayhem and it's scary. It's really scary. There's loads of people who are physically not strong enough to walk their own dog. Yeah. The dog's taking them for a walk. Yeah. But the, you, you mentioned the um, the advice in The Telegraph about they they define what an XL bully is, which is actually quite difficult to do. But they also give advice about what to do if attacked by an XL bully. And they say, get on the ground, keep still, curl up in a ball and protect your neck. The dog Jeez. will still attack, but it won't kill you. Uh, That's so telegraph, isn't it? It's so it, army. Now, listen, what we do <laughs> what we do here is we lie down. Now, you're going to be bitten about 100 times. Yeah. Uh, but it did, it did remind me of... Um, 
I went to Svalbard on a, a climate research trip many, many years ago. As I passed through Svalbard before we sailed across to Greenland, we were given a, a, a piece of paper saying what to do if you encounter a polar bear. And page one says, don't leave a building without checking out the windows first. If there are bins nearby, especially, you need to have a look and you need to listen to see if you can hear a polar bear and you really shouldn't be outside without a gun. Page two was advice as to what to do if you encountered a polar bear whilst outside. And it said, enjoy the close-up view of a polar bear while it eats you. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's great. basically the advice that, 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 that was nice. given. So just to, to kind of um, make sure that everybody knows, in case you have an XL bullet at home, since February the 1st, XL bullies are illegal unless they're chipped, neutered and muzzled when they're out and they have to be kept on a lead in public. If not, they'll be destroyed when they're found. That's another kind of angle to this story, isn't there? It's actually in The Telegraph. There's been reporting about how people are feeling about having to destroy the dogs. Well, it's really difficult. That So vets don't want to destroy a healthy animal. I no. mean, quite rightly. <laughs> and they can't be compelled to either. No, the dogs have so. not wished themselves into existence. So the vets are in an awful situation being asked to euthanise animals. And the RSPCA also are strongly against euthanising uh, these animals. And groups of uh, XL bully owners are demanding that vets who do euthanise them be named and shamed, which makes it even more difficult for the vets. So... It's amazing how a story like this can actually be turned into yet another fight. Because all the people that know stuff about this, the people that work in the rescue centres, the RSPCA, people that, you know, this is their life's work, are saying mm. breed-specific bans don't work. We've tried this before. You mm. know, this, this, mm. this isn't really very useful in terms of legislation. Mm. So we're now going to be stuck in this situation where, you know, healthy, innocent animals are going to be euthanised mm. uh, and no one wants to do it. Any of the people that... They're going to be charged with doing it, don't want to do it. Mm. But there is this momentum building against the breed, uh, you know, pushed in the papers that the public are going to want these dogs destroyed. It's just very sad all around. Like, it's a very, it's a very grim situation. Hi, I'm Katie Riley. On the slow newscast from Tortoise... Donald Trump became the first former U.S. president in history to face a criminal trial. The defendant repeatedly made false statements on New York business records. This is not a trial. This is not a, an act of criminality. We cannot and will not normalize serious criminal conduct. This is the story of his first week in court told through the transcripts. Listen now to the Slow Newscast wherever you get your podcasts. Now, over the weekend, the Sunday Times, surprise, ran a couple of home beautiful stories in their lifestyles of the rich and infamous section. And they had one about how an average billionaire would like their house to be. Marcus, how should us average billionaires be living? Uh, we should be living simply and cleanly with one <laughs> with one floor in our relatively small flat. I'd see that one of the big things to come out of this coverage is when you look at the amount of money that these places cost. You're like, oh my god, that's so much money! Yeah. And you look and go, 
was it's not very big. I know, <laughs> I know. It's, it's not really weird. Big. But that's sort of the point is they've spent a, an, a staggering amount of money on, they sort of look old, don't they? Yeah. They sort of look old and classic, but they've got every single widget and bit of tech. Yep. I mean, there's a thing that will open your curtains for you. Yep. There's a thing that will switch the lights on when the house knows that you're nearby. He goes, oh, oh, she's home. <laughs> yep. It's basically turned your house into a butler when you could have a butler. Yes, that's uh, what seems some, weird to me. To chat to. And also, I think we all know perfectly well that if you have a thing that opens your curtains or closes your curtains nearby, you're going to spend most of your day going, who's got the bloody code for the curtains? <laughs> the, ch- the children have been at the thing. Who's touched? Who's changed the thing? <laughs> the, the curtains are half open now. For fuck's sake, I knew we should have moved into a bungalow. Well, exactly. Well, it's kind of the equivalent of a bungalow, isn't it? The idea is that now that you can't, it's not just that you have a remote that you control everything mm. from your iPhone or your iPad. It's that the house knows when you're about. So a kind of geolocation via GPS will say, okay, you program everything, or I imagine you get a minion to program mm. everything. And it means that if you want your heating to come on out mm. of your many houses, when you're an hour away and you're, you're being chauffeur-driven car, it will switch on. And then at just as you arrive, the lights will come on. It's so creepy. Yeah. It's the worst, I think. It's absolutely I wild. mean, that feels fairly like a glorified security light. Yes, exactly. My mum's got this technology. Yeah. Also, I mean, we've all, we've all tried part of this technology where you've been, say, in an airport or a station and there's a loo (laughs) that has an auto flush on it, right? That has a sensor so that when you get up from the toilet, it automatically flushes, which means when you're on the loo, the sensor sort of gives up and thinks you're not there flushes and you get a wet arse. Yes, exactly. That's, we've all tried versions of this technology. Now, I'll grant you, the wet arse experience is not as glamorous as... They've got, <laughs> no. This this thing's got a, an oven that will just switch itself on when it, when it knows that you're nearby. But that still requires you to go, right, I'm going to leave this thing inside this the oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. just sort of sit there in in the warm while I'm out. Yeah, the billing of this is that the robo houses do everything for you. It does seem to be variations on flicking switches rather than the actual yeah. work of actually sorting out your laundry, putting it into lights and darks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Putting, like measuring out your detergent and stuff like that. It doesn't feel like any of the actual difficult stuff gets done. Mm. Yeah, but exactly. turning your light switch on. We'll take care of that bit for, yeah. a, for a cool few million. I mean, I think a lot of billionaires' houses seem to work mostly on the basis that they aren't going to be there. Yeah. You know, that mm. there isn't someone in to switch the lights on or put a thing in the oven or flush Is that because they've got no friends? Well, I suppose that, yes, and maybe they're out going, Christ almighty, we've bought a house that's much too expensive. We've got to work 19 hours a day. <laughs> yes, what are we going to do? We're going to lose the horrid house. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were some, because it's mostly what they say is it's young American tech billionaires along with Saudis, Qataris and Emiratis are at the forefront of this splurge. So it's mostly young tech types, yep. but older people apparently like it, when older billionaires, mm. because they have forgetful teenage children. And this is a quote. If you have a toilet flush, I mean a general toilet flush, mm. robot toilet flush, every two to three hours, it prevents any poor hygiene, doesn't it? So what you're saying is that these billionaires have got teenagers that can't even flush the bog. 
So it has to be done. And one of them will soon be Home Secretary. (laughs) That's a real worry. That's that's pretty much the last thing we need. There's water companies going, no, don't don't flush them anyway. I mean, we can't can't deal with the number of flushes there are. Exactly. Um, But there's one that you really liked, right? There's Mm -hmm. one of these where you did look and go. And it's basically my reference for it was It's a Wonderful Life when they have the big dance in the gym and the floor opens up and it's actually a swimming pool under the dance floor. Yeah. Uh, yours was the party, the I party. think. The party, yeah, but exactly. But pre- that is pretty cool. It's great. Yeah. It's basically, it's got a swimming pool that transforms into a dance floor at the flick of a switch, which is what we've always wanted. Yeah. Would you like to know how much the house is going for? Love to. Go on. 14.95 million. <laughs> but you see, that's what... Where is it? It's well. It's, it's a Knightsbridge. Nice Nobody it? wants to live in Knightsbridge. See, well. I'm, but that's I'm, where you spend the money on. Yes, exactly. You don't spend it on uh, you know, lights or ovens or stuff like but that. I'm genu- you spend it on what they have listed in the floor plan as <laughs> combination swimming pool nightclub. Yeah. Like that's the room. But like, a cynic perfect. would look at that and go, "Oh, look at this! They're, they're double claiming on the floor plan here. They put that <laughs> down. They put that down as pool and dance floor, whereas in fact it's both." But I'm surprised that isn't more in Knightsbridge with enough space to have a dance floor and a swimming pool at 15 million. I mean, there's there's property around there that goes for 50, 60 million. It's a mini dance floor. It's a mini Oh, that sounds shit. I don't want to live there. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's time to find out who's won Fix the Headline, the nation's favourite headline competition, because there's loads of them, where every week we find an excellent story with a not-so-excellent headline so that you, the listeners, can think up better ones. And on Friday, we gave you a story from The Sun about one of the late Queen Elizabeth II's cars. It's a Range Rover and it's gone on sale for £225,000. The Sun's headline, Queen Car Sale. Well, really... We knew you could do better, and you did. This week, I think, has been the absolute best fixer headline ever. It's really good. Okay, so on X, Richard Smith gave us We Are Not Much Used, which is great. (laughs) Daniel Van Persen tried with the excellent Pomp One's Ride. (laughs) (laughs) And Cameron Ratcliffe offered the also fab Have You Gone Far? And on Threads, Cornelius1966 had a good go with Toff Roder. Nice. Great. Good, isn't it? Main tenant music, The Merry Drives of Windsor. <laughs> and Jen Stanner, Hello Mom, got a new motor. Oh, <laughs> but the winner from X is Mark H. Board K with Long to Range Roverers. That's so yeah. good. What it's a so complicated good. pun. Yeah. Well done, that man. Absolutely great. Hands down, the winner. So send us your address and T-shirt size, Mark, and soon you'll be strutting about your best life looking like the champ you are. What about today? Chris, have you got any good headlines? We've got a couple from the, the star. We've got one. So there's a story about the thing that's annoying Brits the most, the most domestic sort of uh, annoyance. And usually, you know, people think it's the toilet seat being left up or dirty or, mugs, or dirty the, plates. the pool closing over when you're having a swim. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it turns out that our, our, our worst annoyance is that um, people not replacing toilet rolls, just okay. leaving the kind of grotty little uh, cardboard tube. And, of course, that is now known as, thanks to the star, Britain's number one pet peeve. Ah, very good. Peeve. Peeve. Very good. We also have... Donald Trump. God. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> Trump's been on his site, Truth Social, claiming that people say that he has a dead ringer for Elvis. People are always telling him this. 
that he's <laughs> what? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all seen it. We've all made the mistake yeah. in all sorts of ways. Just a blonde Elvis, basically, is is Yeah. Anyway, good headline. Devil in disguise, which is a nice, you know, uh, Elvis um yeah. Elvis play. And so, also um, true. <laughs> <laughs> this is from The Guardian. Yeah, The Guardian's back page in the sports section. When the football ones are good, they're really, really good. Mm. And this comes from the Arsenal-Liverpool match at the weekend. Liverpool goalkeeper let in a couple of goals. Alison Blunderland, it's which great. is a really good. beautifully done. As soon as you come up with that, you rub your hands and you take the rest <laughs> of the day off, really. Yeah. Marcus, you've got The Sun. Yeah, I have. There's a story in The Sun. Strictly stars play traitors. The Strictly Come Dancing tour cast are playing a version of TV show The Traitors to keep themselves entertained. So what the Strictly stars are doing whilst on tour is playing Wink Murder, which is <laughs> which is what The Traitors is. Yeah. Uh, very well produced and brilliantly done and beautifully presented and all the rest of it. But it's Wink Murder. So that's what they're doing. But uh, they've gone with Murder on the Dance Floor. Perfect. And I hope that uh, Sophie Ellis-Bexter is getting paid. Yeah. Exclusive health shock, says The Sun. More than 550 fellas were given bionic willies on the NHS <laughs> last year. <laughs> so a record number of penile ops were carried out after all other options to correct erection problems had flopped. So, hey. I mean, there's lots, mm-hmm. there's lots in the body of this, but the headline is bionic willies are on the rise. Lovely, like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you can't uh, get an appointment for that, uh, a lollipop stick and some rubber bands will... Uh, <laughs> we'll just do, do the job. Pinch. Well, yeah. uh, listen, uh, literally <laughs> yeah. at a pinch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now... Telegraph today is a feature that has had me fuming for days. It was out online a few days ago and has made it to the main paper today. It's by the Telegraph's rock critic Neil McCormick and it's entitled Why 1974 Was the Worst Year in Pop. So take a deep breath, Chris, (laughs) and tell us what's going on in this feature. So I don't know quite where this has come about. I mean, it's obviously 50 years ago that 1974 happened. Famously, Neil McCormick has taken real objection to 1974 uh, this week, um, in particular really mad with Tiger Feet by Mud. Which is a great song. He heard it too much when he was 13 and has been bubbling up for 50 years, <laughs> waiting for the opportunity to sort of like tear them down. Yeah, it just is, is quite a long piece on why 1974 was the worst year in pop. In the way that these do, we sort of caveating himself constantly saying like, well, there was was actually some really good things that came out in 1974, or there were some things from the tail end of 1973 that actually, you know, made the charts in 74, kind of undermining the argument. I don't know. I just feel like you're onto a real loser when you start something like this, because music is such a broad church. And there was so much great stuff coming out in the mid 70s. Yeah, he kind of shoots himself in the foot, doesn't he? I mean, his argument is quite interesting, which is his argument is, which I understand is that essentially... If music comes out of a culture, which and the best music comes out of a culture, mm-hmm. I think, whatever that is, then you get fallow years when there's one culture ending and another one is kind of popping mm. up. And I think, OK, yeah. that's fair enough. However, I do think he's kind of cheating. So he lists a whole load of terrible singles. But then 
He also acknowledges that there was other good music in 1974. And you can just go through it. It's like Rebel Rebel by yeah, Bowie. Yeah. There's like Living in the City by Stevie Wonder. There's like, I mean, you could argue about this, but I think it's great. Rock On by David Essex. <laughs> great song. But there's, you know, a couple of great Aretha tracks. It just doesn't quite work. And then what he does, which is really awful, it's online. This is the bit that kept me fuming for days. <laughs> so he lists five other terrible years for music. And one is 1962. I'm not completely okay with it. Okay, fine. One is 1989, and this is where I could feel the kind of... (laughs) That's when I went. That's when I went. Oh, my God, I lost it, I tell you. So, 1989. But this is the bit that made me lose my shite, which he says, Ride on Time, which is an absolute classic, is rubbish. It's just a model miming to novelty house Hit. Nonsense. And genuinely. It's irresistible. I know. I actually think he should be sacked for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so a really upset. interesting story behind why there's a model miming to it and all that stuff to do with sampling. Like, it's a really, really yeah. interesting piece of music and developed like a whole new style it's it, it, to to write that off as a as a crap track oh, is so, so short-sighted so 1989 was the year of madonna's like a prayer soul to soul oh my mm-hmm. god for god's sake keep on moving back to life new order's technique de la soul the oh. Beasties Paul's Boutique, Happy Mondays, obviously. God, yeah. And the Stone Roses album, which people can argue about, but still. Yeah, yeah. And Inner City, please. I, mean, I literally think I want to have like some form of fight. <laughs> 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 a really small fight where I just waft singles at him. Well, I mean, this, this as a thing is what blokes do, mm. right? So when yeah. I go for my morning walk with my pal, this is sort of what we do, where one of us, the conversation will lull and he'll go... <sighs> 96 was a shit year for music, wasn't it? <laughs> right, cool. Now we're at it for three hours. This this walk this walk's going to take us all the way to Kingston and back. Ah, because I it's see. just a, it's a it's a tasty little provocation. And uh, the more the older I've got, and the more close male friendships I really really treasure, I've realised without any shame that what we do is list stuff. That's the main <laughs> purpose of what I do with my male friends. And actually, it is bonding, and I have no shame. We just list stuff. What do you think was the best thing that came out in 2010? Right, here we go. <laughs> was that 2010? Quickly look that up. That was 2009. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, no, it felt 2010. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I suppose it's posh clickbait, isn't it? I guess yeah. that's exactly what it is. Now, over the weekend in the Star, there was an intriguing report about a pigeon in India that has been released from custody after eight months. It was suspected of being a spy for China. Of course it was. <laughs> but, says the star, the jailbird can consider itself luckier than some critters that have been accused of misdemeanors over the years. So, Marcus, let's have a look at some of those critters that have been accused of misdemeanors over the years, shall we? This is probably the best thing I've ever seen in the star or maybe any (laughs) newspaper. So I just want to give people an idea of what I'm looking at here. The main picture is a cockerel standing upright wearing a a prison jacket with arrows on it with both of its thin cockerel feet in a pair of handcuffs. Uh, I mean, it just looks absolutely amazing. And they've covered some of the uh, great miscarriages of justice <laughs> over the years. In 1457, a sow and her six piglets were brought before a court in France charged with murder. The mother was found guilty and sentenced to be hanged from a tree. What a waste of pork. But... Crucially, the piglets were reckoned to have been led on by their murderous mum and were let off on the promise of good behaviour. 
It's astonishing. See, and they didn't try and bang XL pigs after that, did they? They did not. No, no. They didn't. No, they didn't. Although they did hang one from a tree. <laughs> so, you know, this is amazing. So rodents in France were ordered in front of a court uh, in Autant during the 16th century for destroying barley crops. So, But the rat's lawyer managed to get the case adjourned, urging a cat curfew. He said Moggies were making his clients too scared to attend the hearing. <laughs> And, I mean, you know, witness intimidation sure, serious serious problem. in any court is, uh, is, is very serious. Uh, this is from 1540. A malevolent moth was brought before, <laughs> <laughs> before a court charged over the destruction of an expensive tapestry. Fair enough. I think it's really, really unfair to single out one moth. Uh, <laughs> it was a gang of moths. Is that what there you're saying? Was the, yeah, definitely. There was the most delightful video I saw just recently of a little boy who'd sort of taken a moth on as a pet and he was helpless with laughter and his mum said, go on, tell everyone what you've called it. And he couldn't get the word out until eventually he went, moth you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really nice. A donkey in Mexico was locked in a cell after it kicked and bit two men. Uh, pretty serious, you'd need to deal with it. But um, Officer Sina Gomez said, if someone commits a crime, they're jailed, no matter who they are. Well, Exactly. <laughs> And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Chris. Thank you. Thanks to Marcus. Thanks very much. And if you're feeling full of the joys of not quite spring, then why not join the Paper Cuts Supporters Club? Just £3 a month gets you ad-free episodes plus extra after-show supporters stories, as well as the opportunity to nab some fab Paper Cuts merchandise, such as a Take You Anywhere t-shirt or a Fill With Anything mug. I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the sun reveals that one in ten Brits who have dreamt of being an astronaut found it so scary they woke up. Possibly screaming, but you can't hear that in space, especially when you're wearing one of those bubble helmets. (laughs) See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with Chris Lockery and Marcus Brigstock. The producer was Liam Tate, assistant producer was Adam Wright, and audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harkin and Kieran Leslie, design by Jim Parrott, with original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh, managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, and group editor is Andrew Harrison. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. Right, let's get cross about the about Neil McCormick. Right, I'm opening okay. my fucking playlist. Here we go, dickhead.